You're listening to Hive Hoops, a Charlotte Hornets podcast. Here's your host, Joshua Balta. Hive Hoops, I am your host, Joshua Balta. Exit interviews took place yesterday. We heard from Steve Clifford and the guys. And in order to break down the comments and the thoughts from the players and the coaches on what the season was and hopefully what this offseason will be, I had to go and get Jerry Donacion from Clutch Points. He's been in the building. He's been on uh, in the Spectrum Center all season long. He's been in the room doing interviews with players, different things. You guys have seen a lot of his videos on Twitter and elsewhere. Jerry, how you doing, man? Pretty good, man. You know, just taking it all in at this point. Long season, 82 games. Just It's it's over all of a sudden, you know. It's just like, dang, like, I got a lot of time on my hands now. So, off-season basketball, all summer long, man. Let's get it. I know. And <laughs> 82 seasons long or 80, 82 seasons, it felt like it. 82 games in the situation and circumstances that this season was, to many it felt longer than 82 games because, I mean, it was just I, – I had an episode come out yesterday, and if you – for all the listeners, if you didn't listen, if you want to get kind of my overall thoughts, go back, listen to yesterday's uh, episode. We're going to get Jerry's today, obviously, but – it was just such a hellacious and hellish season from so many different points and in different aspects, mainly injuries, right? But yeah, we finally made it. We're here. We made it to the offseason. We got the fourth best lottery odds in the league. That's where everybody's focus has seemed to shift. But, you know, we heard from Steve Clifford. We heard from LaMelo Ball and all of the fellow players, right? And so when it comes to these exit interviews, which response really stuck out to you the most? I mean, it's it's definitely got to be LaMelo's, right? We haven't heard the dude talk. We haven't seen him play in, in months. Oh, he only played in, I think, 36-odd games or so, and he's – he still had a pretty good season, you know, around 23 points, eight rebounds and eight assists, whatever it was. Like, the dude had a good season. But after not hearing from him or even seeing him on the bench at all the home games after the injury, obviously had the fractured ankle, had surgery and stuff, to have him talk yesterday just about when someone asked him just about his future, like, what are the rumors like? And, you know, he just says he, he loves it here. Charlotte is home. It, like, you know, t- kind of the typical answers, but – Says he got to take it one day at a time, which in, you know, probably most fans' heads and even all the reporters in the room, we're all just kind of looking at each other like, wow, this dude could be out the door like any second now. Obviously, you know, we can offer him the most money and he's definitely going to get it. The dude's the top tier caliber point guard in the league, but it's it's still up to him to actually sign that deal. Money usually talks and we hope that's the case. Obviously, walking away from a Supermax is going to seem like a foolish move because every other team can only offer him $70 million less than what that 275 might be. You know, so that just took me down a whole rabbit hole. Like, 
that's definitely going to be one of the things that I write about today. Now that I have some time to breathe before Mitch Kupchak comes up and stuff like that, but definitely the one that stuck out the most. And for, you know, for the fans and for the viewers, if they don't notice by now, Melo in a press conference type of setting doesn't really give you a whole lot of context with any, any of his answers. I'm no. sure you noticed on the stuff that I posted from Melo, it was, everything was about maybe five to 10 seconds long. It's, there's no in-depth response. So it's, yeah, I love it here. Charlotte's home. Got to take it day by day. And that's it. You don't have any more insight until, you know, it either, A, the season rolls along and we see how, how we do, or it just happens a year or two from now. And he's out of Charlotte. So definitely the most, the most important nugget from yesterday was definitely that. Yeah, you don't get a lot of fluff from LaMelo. Uh, he gets straight to the point, or he's he doesn't get to the point at all. He's just really short uh, with the media and his responses. The only the only person I've really seen that LaMelo really opens up with at all is Ashley Shamady, really. And, and that's on the court, right? Yeah, and- I, I will say, I will say, though, one-on-one, if you catch LaMelo, whole lot better, whole lot better. It's... It's a lot easier to actually talk to him. I low-key think it's it's a bit of stage fright. There's something probably in him just – there's not a lot of us in the Hornets media room, by the way. There's probably a consistent four to five. Just I don't know if you guys think we're how big of a market we are, but literally it's probably four to five of us every game, every home game. And it's still – I think just being up on a podium with cameras pointed at him, maybe it's like, nah, this ain't really my thing. But having them one-on-one, it's a little more personable. That's yeah. why, like, that locker room access or getting catching guys in the hallway when they're about to go to the car or whatever, those are the best times to talk to LaMelo. He will give you more that way. But in a press conference room, nah, it's real cut and dry. Yeah, he's not he's not really easing up in uh, those those environments. But, yeah, I, 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 I have to agree with you. The most polarizing for sure – was LaMelo's response. And so I know you kind of touched on this, but do you believe that LaMelo really is going to leave? I, I I mean, I know that you stated the money issue and, you know, at the end of the day, the Hornets can offer way more money than any other rival NBA team. But do you really believe that he might leave or is this more of a let's apply a little bit of pressure I really do like it here but this offseason this front office has to start doing some things and really getting some things in place because life is better when when you're winning right that's what that's what (laughs) LaMelo said life is better when you're winning and maybe that that's what this was and so what are what are your thoughts on that uh I mean to answer your, your initial question, I'm, I'm going to say he's serious. I, I really feel like this is this is a situation that we should monitor really, really closely. Because this offseason might be the biggest in this young young franchise's you know, whole existence. Obviously, back in the 90s, we had Alonzo Mourning and Larry Johnson and those guys that had a couple of playoff runs, but unfortunately, a guy named MJ exists, right? Well, now MJ's running this team and has failed to really bring any elite talent via free agency other than, you know, maybe a Gordon Hayward. Maybe that's his biggest big fish 
maybe Nick Batum, who everybody kind of seems to hate in Charlotte. But those, those are like his two biggest signings, at least in terms of money. And obviously, we know that Nick Batum didn't live up to the role. Still a really good player, had his best seasons in Charlotte, but not at that time, $85 million worth like worth of dollars, right? He wasn't worth that. Not close. Gordon Hayward, same thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gordon Hayward, same thing. You know, 120, thing. 125, whatever it is. He's been hurt. When he's healthy, we've seen the Hornets be really good, being a, be a playoff picture. Not even the play-in, but in a four- to six-seed kind of range. We've seen that. He goes down. The team starts to tank down the standings. So LaMelo's been in it, just finished his third season. Like I mentioned earlier, 36 games. But there hasn't really been any major, major moves that have been made. They got lucky with Miles Bridges panning out last year, which, hell, he even got some all-star votes, right? Like we were all thinking that, oh, wow, Miles Bridges might be going to Cleveland, wherever, wherever the all-star game was at. But with him gone, some fans are hoping that he comes back and also that we get this number one pick to bring in a guy like Wemby or if we land in the lottery to bring in a guy like Scoot or Amen Thompson or somebody that we know is going to be a huge difference maker so we can actually attract maybe maybe a veteran to come to our team and just help us win. It's not like he's expecting them to win the championship with the first move. It's more like, can we trend in the right direction? Can, can we, we make win the playoffs? It? Exactly. Because you get in the play in back-to-back years, and you get killed by Indiana in the first year when Sabonis was still there, obviously. Then the Hawks dismantle us last year. And this year, we take a step back by not making it all, make not making it at all. Yeah. We had 43 wins last season. We ended this season with 27. We took a step back. Yeah. So in your franchise player's mind, similar to what um is going on in Dallas with Luca, wow. I was just in the conference finals last year with, with Jalen Brunson and, you know, all these Tim Hardaway Jr., Reggie Bullock, this same type of team. Brunson's gone now because we didn't prioritize him. Obviously, ended up with Kyrie. Yeah, but they didn't do the right things by their star in free agency. They mm-hmm. added Christian Wood and, and JaVale McGee, and JaVale McGee doesn't even see the floor. So in Charlotte, it's the same type of situation. You have another elite point guard. That doesn't have any help. And Miles Bridges' situation obviously happens, and he's missing out on his his co-star, you know, his the second best player on the team. But no excuses. They didn't pull anything. You didn't pull anything in in free agency. And they have the money to do it, but it's hard to get people to want to come play in Charlotte. So long-winded answer, but definitely, definitely not. I think it's definitely a lot of pressure on this organization. Biggest summer right now for this for this team in their history. Because LaMelo already has the potential to be the best player in franchise history. Man, I'm so scared to put that put that term on this offseason because I placed it on last offseason, and then we saw what happened last offseason. I said, oh, this is the, this is the biggest offseason in franchise history, and then it ended up being the absolute worst. And so I'm so – like, I almost refuse. I, You know what? I don't almost refuse. I do refuse to <laughs> say that. You can say it all you want. I, I'll let you keep saying it. I'm not going to say it. But it is an extremely important offseason. I will say that. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I, But I'm not going to put the most important uh, connotation on it. I'm just not going to do it. Um, But it is big. And – LaMelo, sure, 
what I always go back to is that first contract, you chase the money. The second contract, right, that's when you start chasing championships. So I'm hoping, you know, LaMelo would be the first player in NBA history to turn down, you know, that max deal coming off of his rookie deal. He'd be the first one. And so I'm just hoping that, you know, there's still a little bit of I – I don't want to use the word patience. I think that that word I, – I, I think that word is hated here in Charlotte. Everybody is sick of being patient. We want to win now. We're tired. It's been just a franchise history of boo-boo. It's been terrible for the most part, especially this second rendition of the Hornets. The first rendition wasn't bad. You know, a consistent playoff team, um, you know, winning mid-40s, even, you know, upper, making the playoffs, winning some of those five-game series that, you know, the playoff, uh, you know, format used to be in the first round. But then just this second rendition of the Hornets has always left us wanting more. And wanting more is just playoffs and then a good performance in it. And so I'm hoping, I'm hoping that even when it comes to LaMelo, that this first, you know, this first contract following his rookie deal, that he just, gosh, take the money, LaMelo. Take the money. Hopefully we can hit in that lottery. You know, he was asked yesterday about the top of the draft. And he said that he had been paying attention to it, correct? Yep. And so, he, I mean, he knows what's out there. Scoot is a fellow Puma guy. All right. We know what Wimby is. The Thompson twins, I'm sure that he's been watching them as well and knows what their, you know, potential could be. And so, mm-hmm. more than likely, the Hornets are going to land one of those guys and then probably a Jairus Walker or maybe Brandon Miller. Right. I mean, that's kind of your consensus because the, the Hornets all. can't fall past eight. Can't fall past eight. So it's going to be one of those guys. So you add them into the mix, maybe, you know, maybe they hit and we're in a better spot. We stay healthy next season. I don't know. LaMelo, don't leave. I'm rambling. I'm saying all this. <laughs> LaMelo, if you're listening, I know you tune into every episode. All right. Don't leave. Okay. Stay. But then I love him applying the pressure at the end of at the end of the day. I like him saying, no, I'm here for life. Like I like him applying the pressure. That's, that's why. But that's why it's it's I know you don't want to you want to avoid that term. But that's why there's an immense amount of pressure for it to be the most important offseason. If just think about the worst case scenario that. We, you know, for some reason, we always end up getting a mid-tier lottery pick. Like, no disrespect to to Book Knight or Mark Williams in the draft after, or even getting Bryce McGowan's late last year. We happen to get this 10th to 15 kind of, you know, late lottery kind of pick. If that happens, we're not going to be happy. Unless unless the, the guy just becomes a stud, whoever they happen to pick up. One of those sleeper picks at 13, like you get a Kobe, you get a Giannis or a Devin Booker or something like that. That would be our hope. But if that happens and we have another injury riddled year, we don't get any big fish in free agency, and we just underplay again, there's going to be two things that happen. Well, one, Steve Clifford is going to lose his job, which is kind of 
bad for for these guys because every young player on the team literally said they love playing for Clifford. So it's a little concerning if something like that happens because it looks like he's putting a culture. Despite the record, what we've seen mm -hmm. after the All-Star break was a different Hornets team before the All-Star break. I think we could all agree there. They almost, I think they were just below 500 after the break. So better defensive improvements to a top five in defensive rating. They turned it around a little bit. So that's why there's so much pressure, though, because you go into the season and everything just goes to hell. The next offseason, you might see LaMelo demanding a trade. Yeah. And that's the last thing you want. Like, you know, you, you definitely don't want him to demand a trade and try to force his way out. Then it creates a stigma with Hornets fans. Some are going to be like, wow, I hate LaMelo Ball. Like, why would he do that? Blah, blah, blah. The man wants to win at the end of the day. Like, you, you quoted it earlier. Winning just makes life better. Like, if you're not winning games, he's going he's gonna to leave this building. He's going to force his way out especially in the player empowerment era, we love it because players can dictate their future with their teams, even if it does cause holdouts or contract disputes or whatever. We saw Kyrie walk up to Joe Sy and Sean Marks and say, yo, I don't want to be here anymore. He gets shipped to Dallas. KD sees the writing on the wall. These are the teams I want to go to. And he ends up in Phoenix. LaMelo's probably, you know, going into year four, he's probably has enough pool with Michael Jordan and Mitch Kupchak maybe by now to say, I want to leave and maybe they might abide give him give him a wish list whatever he wants to go or they trade him for best assets who knows but i can see all this happening in 2024 it's very possible just look at the era that went yes adam silver tried to combat it by allowing teams to offer them the max money that they draft that drafted them it hasn't worked very well to this up to this point look at anthony davis Sign that Supermax in New Orleans. The Pelicans, I think, have two playoff. They had two playoff series wins. One, one against the, the Blazers when they swept them or something like that. Another one against the, I don't even remember. Either way, the dude left. <laughs> he couldn't, they couldn't win. So he forces his way out and gets to LA and wins a championship. I could see the same type of situation happening. Even if it's not 2024, the clock is ticking. So even if last season was the most important last year, <laughs> all it did was just shift because we didn't do anything to improve. We lost a hell of a lot of games and won 27 of them. I'm nervous. Everybody should be. I'm just being, let's, I got to keep it cut and dry. It has to be black and white. You should be nervous. This is literally the biggest offseason. This guy has the most triple doubles. I think he has almost the most made threes in a season. He's breaking franchise record. The longer he's here, he'll break Kemba's scoring record. He'll have the assist record. All of those things. He could have it all. Put a contender around him. Find young guys to grow with him. He's not asking you to win a championship next year. He's asking you to make the playoffs. It's time to get to work. So what you just detailed was worst case scenario to a large degree. Yes. <laughs> But it's also so Hornet, right? It's so Charlotte Hornets. And so because so often the worst case scenario is what ends up playing out for this franchise. And I'm not trying to beat a dead horse. I'm not trying to kick, you know, a franchise while it's down. But surely not two years in a row, right? Because there, there was hope the last two seasons. There was a, you know, 
an atmosphere, a, a, a feeling of excitement around this team that they could take those next steps. And then the past offseason occurred. So, and then this season happened with all of the injuries. And I mean, you just, you can't do much with what they had. I mean, you had guys out there, uh, you know, JT Thor played one of the highest number of games for the Charlotte Hornets, like on the court. Like he appeared, he was top three on the team in appearances. You can't have that. You're not going to be very good when that occurs. You're just not. And so maybe we just need yeah. to take a deep breath. We need to, you know, trust that – um this next season is going to be better. This team will be healthier. We will add a top pick, and the Hornets can get back to hopefully what they were building these past two seasons and not this one. Or actually adding on to what you said post-All-Star break, where Steve Clifford and, yeah. and staff really had this team looking different. And so I want to kind of piggyback off of that. Clifford. I, I, too, agree. I believe that a culture around the team started to be implemented uh, with the team playing better defense. Uh, obviously, that's going to occur when you replace Mason Plumley with Mark Williams. Obviously, that's going to occur when you replace LaMelo Ball with Dennis Smith Jr. Now, I still do believe that LaMelo Ball uh, has some defensive capabilities. Uh, he has some natural instincts on that side of the floor where he gambles a lot and, you know, a lot, sometimes that gets you in trouble. Sometimes it works out for you. It's just kind of one of those things, but his offense is so, you know, top tier that you basically have to live with. And I, Steve Clifford said, if you're bad on defense, you got to give me 25 a night. Well, LaMelo's damn near doing that. Right. And then he's, yep. he, and then he can still give you a little bit defensively as well with those, with those gamble moves, but going to Steve Clifford, what what were some of the things that he talked about yesterday that stood out to you um, as well and just kind of the direction that this team is headed into the offseason and into next season? Well, I think, you know, exactly what we've been talking about for these past few minutes here, just the defensive aspect of things definitely flipped around for them after the All-Star break, so – he actually highlighted JT Thor as being a big piece of what they did do. And yes, JT Thor doesn't produce much on the offensive side of the ball. That's definitely still a work in progress, progress for him. But defensively, you know, he makes the right plays. He's a smart defender. He's a heady defender, a guy that could just be a pest. He's long, you know, that 6'8", six, 6'9", six, frame. Just has to fill it out more, grow into it. I think we could see him actually play a lot better. But the most... I think the most pressing thing that I heard him speak about or the most important actually for the Hornets was to talk about the bigs getting rid of Mason Plumley as much as everybody kind of ratted on the plum guy. He played well for Charlotte, you know, like just intangibles through the roof. He's a really smart player. And even the Clippers are benefiting off of that right now after trading for him, but allowing Mark Williams and Nick Richards to kind of, you know, take over that starting range. Cause even last year people were lobbying for, for Nick Richards to get the start over Mason Plumley, And obviously Mark got that nod, potential base. He's more mobile on the floor, even a better shot blocker, I would say, 
but both of them kind of playing center by committee. It was it was kind of interesting to watch because Nick Richards is more of that. I'm getting more traditional 80s kind of big that, you know, could give you 10 and 10 as a starter in this league about a block or two a game. But both him and Mark Williams kind of anchored what they had going on in this back half stint after the All-Star break, even even just preaching on their abilities to just kind of clean up the mess. Seal off, seal off for box outs and getting rebounds and ending possessions. I think highlighting the bigs was probably the the most the the thing that stuck out the most to me. Obviously, you know, talking about Lamelo and Terry and Gordon, all those guys pretty much have been hurt all, all season. At some point in time, even though Terry's probably the most consistent out of the three, it's still kind of I heard it all year. It wasn't as entertaining to me. But talking about those bigs and the front court in general, because P.J. Washington as well was probably the best player for us in this back half stretch, had a 40-point game, a couple, a couple of 25-point games and 30. Like, he showed that he could play into play his way into a bigger contract, especially to what was initially offered, right? When we last season we gave him those three, four years, 60 mil. Well, I don't think you could pay him that anymore. Maybe you have to give them around 80, maybe to 90 even. With the CPA going up every year, it sounds ridiculous when I see when I hear myself say it. But when I think about the amount of money that we're about to get in the next few years from the new CBA, it's really just going to look smaller and smaller on the scale. That's why guys are getting paid nearly $300 million, right? <laughs> so I think definitely the PJ, the PJ talk, just about his improvement, his development. Even I asked him, Whenever we spoke to PJ, but Clifford also harped on it, just his improvement on the on the defensive side of the ball, being the most versatile defender. And that really just put my mind down like, you know, a whole back alley just thinking about this dude did guard one through five some games, you know. So hats off to PJ and hats off to all the front court. Nick Richards, Mark Williams and PJ Washington really get like the gold star from Steve Clifford's talking points yesterday. That's that's where my mind is at with everything that Cliff had to say. Yeah, P.J. Washington was your most consistent Hornet quite possibly all year long, Season. even though he had a roller coaster kind of up and down, you know, beginning to middle part of the season. Because at the end of the day, he was your only true rotational piece that you can see moving into the future or into at least this next season. Hopefully we have some more guys developing and becoming those rotational players. But he was the only one that played 70-plus games. Yep. You know, greatest ability is availability. We've heard that a million times. And so he was your healthiest player. He was definitely the best Hornet down the stretch, even though he ended up missing some games as well. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll get into PJ talk here in a little bit. But – more off of Clifford, he mentioned you can't put too much stock in these final 20 games of the season when you're not playing for playoff positioning or anything like that. Who do you believe that he had in mind when he made that statement? You know, honestly, I don't know. Here, Hearing it, it just sounded more – more just of, as a team, uh, just overall as a team more so, like, yeah, we saw some improvements, but at the end of the day, like the last 20 games, I'm, you know, we were going out there to compete. That's, 
I, yeah, I think I think it's just more more of a shot towards like who they're playing, because you know by by this time, some teams already locked the playoff seating, and then guys are resting their starters, or you know maybe maybe they play five to ten minutes of the game and they're out. So maybe maybe the the message was more so my guys aren't playing against the best of the best because, you know maybe Donovan Mitchell's not playing today. Donovan Donovan Mitchell didn't even play the the season finale. You know it's just yeah I'm a rest. Neither did Garland. Evan Mobley played Jared, – Jared Allen and Evan Mobley probably paid, played like 10, 15 minutes. So, it wasn't, there's not a real, real sample size. Maybe that's what Cliff was trying to get at. That would be my guess. But I think it's huge, though, either way for, for a young team. You need to continue to build the camaraderie between the guys, build the rapport. So, they just continue, continue this wave into the summer. You know, just – you want these guys to be attached at the hip. And yes, everybody goes their separate ways to go train and do whatever, but maybe Terry has another Miami run. Maybe they all come back to Charlotte to, you know, just get a practice in before training camp starts. You just want them to just keep getting used to each other. There's no telling who's going to be on this team next year. Obviously, the guys in the contract will be here, the LaMelo, the Terry, Gordon, guys like that. But PJ's a question mark. Kelly Oubre's a question mark. Dennis Smith, even Teo Maladon, who – had a couple solid games down the end of the stretch. Like, I think we really just have to – those 20 games that Cliff said, you know, probably don't hold a lot of weight. It's, it's huge, you know. So, I think it's just a shot towards other teams, though. Like, they're not playing all their guys type of thing. Yeah. No, I, I think it – I think part of that is what you stated, and you're not facing opposing teams as best. I think another aspect of it as well is there were multiple games during that stretch where the Hornets were missing their top eight rotational players. Yeah. So, like, how can you really assess guys when you don't have a LaMelo ball out there? You don't have Mark Williams out there. You don't have a P.J. Washington out there. You don't have a Gordon Hayward or a Terry Rozier or any of those guys. I mean, you were missing at, at points. During those final 20 games, you were missing your top eight rotational players on a team that's that's ludicrous. And so I think that was another aspect of it. Um, <laughs> I guess um, – and Clifford said this before. He said there's a lot of guys in this league who can put up 20 points on a night, but they're not a good NBA player. He yep. said this weeks ago. And I know when I say that, that – you know very well about that quote. And I think maybe that's part of this as well, because there's been some of this talk about, oh, Book Knight has some good performances. Woohoo. Like, oh, okay, he's showing some glimpses. And then there's even been this conversation, which I I mean, kudos to him. Maybe he cre uh, created a, a market for himself. But there are people around this team who follow this team, who cover the team who are asking themselves if Sfee should be brought back next season. And it's just like, come on, guys. Like, come on. Like, yeah, there, there are some guys when you are given additional opportunities and you can go out there and put up 15 shots a night, yeah, you, you'll score 20. You'll go to the foul line two or three times and shoot four to five, six free throws, and maybe you can hit – you know, 80% of those get a couple putbacks, hit a three here and there. There are guys all across the league who can do those things. These guys are good basketball players, but that doesn't mean that they are 
rotational basketball players on a playoff team. And so I think that that's also – I think it's a little bit of what you said. We weren't seeing other teams as best. The Hornets were without their top eight rotational players. And then also we were just playing some guys at the end of the roster who were borderline, you know, making NBA teams for one, and then young guys who still haven't really solidified themselves in any regard. And so I just – I. I think it's kind of all of that thrown together and Cliff's just kind of taking a step back and saying, look, we saw some good things, but we don't need to overreact to Svee scoring 20, Booknight yeah. scoring 20 in back-to-back games because he followed that up with like a five-point performance in 20 minutes and he looked pretty poor in those final couple games. And so I think that's probably what he was getting at there. Yeah. No, I definitely – I could agree with that. It's definitely a mashup of both because it is kind of embarrassing when you roll out, like, our last season lineup. Mark Williams got to play. But you're looking at it, Teo Maladon's a starter, Svee Makai Luke's a starter, Bryce McGowan's, Mark Williams, and I don't even remember who ran the four. <laughs> but it's – when you look at that starting lineup, it's like, whoa, how many of these guys are going to be starting next season? Yeah, Maybe Bryce and Mark, maybe, but the rest of them – Tail's definitely not starting over Terry or Mello. We know that. He yeah. might not have been on the team. Like, Let's get into a little bit of rapid fire real quick. Who should be brought back? So this offseason, there's been a lot of talk about who should come back to Charlotte, who should be some of these players that, you know, sign an extension, you know, the Kelly Oubre's, uh, Dennis Smith Jr.'s, obviously P.J. Washington. We've already gotten into that uh, a little bit. Tail Maladon, Sfee. There's a lot of guys that, you know, a lot of people are saying, hey, you know, we really need to bring this person back. We really need to bring this person back. But at the end of the day, there are only 15 roster spots on this team. You can't bring everybody back. You won 27 games. You need better depth in case we experience further injuries. LaMelo has an injury, you know, aura around him now where people are going to start paying attention to if he can stay healthy. We know what Gordon Hayward is and the worries that are there. And so, real quick, I'm just going to spout off a couple players. You tell me whether they should be back or not. Starting first, P.J. Washington. Yeah, I think you got to bring him back. Big improvement this year. Hornets' most improved player easily this season. Kelly Oubre. I think you have to bring him back as well, especially since he said flat out he wants to be here. And he had a couple of good spurts during the season. Can give us 30 in a blink of an eye. So, yeah, I'm bringing him back, too. Dennis Smith Jr. I think that answers the backup point guard problem. Good defender, good overall smart player. He's been in the league six years, and he's only 25. Yes, you bring him back. Three for three so far. Teo Maladon. No, nah, I think that's loose change. You can use that money on somebody else. Interesting young player. He's only 23, but... I don't think this he's going to get his best shot in Charlotte. He has to go somewhere else. Yeah, I agree there. I, as, as far as I've liked what Teo's done, but I would like to see maybe that money and money from somewhere else combined in order to bring somebody else back or to sign some of these guys that we've already mentioned. Svee uh, yep. Mikhailuk. No. Actually, you know what? That's a hell no. <laughs> 
Svi literally came in to get a contract next season. That's why he's hoisting up all these shots. And I, hey, I can dig it. More power to him. Not in Charlotte. He needs to, maybe he can play on the Bulls or something else. Go somewhere else and be a spotter shooter. Not in Charlotte. I'm good. I am too. And so, I, like, I see a lot of people just like, oh, I think Svi could be an end of the bench guy. Like, guys, no, just no. Like, sure, he did some good things when our top eight rotational players were out, but no. Let's move on from Svi. It was a good, what, 18 games or so that he played for us. It's fine. I'm glad that maybe he'll get a contract next season, but no, let's 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 move on from this. Um <laughs> Jerry, man, I've enjoyed having you on. Uh let everybody know where they can find you, social media, uh, your publication, all of the things. Yeah, uh, first of all, appreciate you having me on. You know, we've been trying to lock this down all season, but you just been too busy. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You, you've been in the room. You've been interviewing guys. You've been at all the home games. You've been covering the team up close and personal. Uh, you know, yeah, we've been trying to link this for a while now. But not, look, you got all this time on your hands. I might have to get you back over, uh, you know, over the offseason again as well. Yeah, for sure. But, yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter with Jerry at Jerry Denostian. You know, you can drop it in a bio or whatever when they can figure out how to spell it. That's but, right. Uh, that's right. On Instagram, it's pretty much the same thing. It's just J.K. Denasian. And on TikTok, it's Jerry Denasian as well. Also, make sure you follow Clutch Points, man. Like, all the content that I do on there is going to be there on all social media avenues through our various pages. So, just like to talk hoops and not just Hornets hoops. So, yeah, yeah. check it out. Every social media platform. That's Hor Hornets Nation is another form of Clutch Points as well, right? That's Hornets specific, correct? Yep, that's actually run that when I have time. There's a, a nice, multitude nice. of us that run that page, yeah. Yeah, so look, check out Hornets Nation as well. That's a part of Clutch Points. Jerry, once again, thanks for coming on, man. And like I said, we'll have to get you back on uh, this offseason once we figure out some things, some free agency, the draft, all those things. Maybe we can break down kind of headed into next season. Yeah, I'd love to do it, man. You know right, what I mean? All right. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Hive Hoops. Until next time, adios. Thanks for listening to Hive Hoops, presented by The Lead. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, be sure to leave a review and let us know what you thought of the episode. Thanks again from Hive Hoops. Hoops.